Hey Gilead, this week we are talking about feelings. Like just just sitting in that space of it being too much for you or for someone else. Here's Rebecca. I wasn't really responsible for, for very much at our first moonshine mass, except getting the fire pit there for the illegal fire that we'd have on the beach in Rogers Park. Maybe that's why it happened. Once I had schlepped the fire pit and the firewood, I think we had like luminaries and the thermoses with the hot drinks and the table and the star ornaments that we gave away. Once I had set that up and made the fire and felt the disappointment when the soccer field lights came on and lit up our whole cozy little scene with a goofy brightness, I wasn't responsible for anything else. Our student pastor that year, our first year, way sooner than we had expected to have a student pastor was Chelsea Cornelius. And it was Chelsea's responsibility, teamed up with Jennifer Old, who brought the idea of having Moonshine Mass at all to Gilead. It was their job to plan and lead it. Charles Murphy was there with his guitar, and so were about 30 other people. We, we wrote down on little pieces of paper, I think, things that we wanted to leave or let go of from the old year so we could burn them. We sang part of that Sufjan Stevens Chicago song, the part that says over and over again, I made a lot of mistakes. I made a lot of mistakes. I made a lot of mistakes over and over and over again. And I don't know if it was before the song or during the song or because of the moonshine or the fire or the liturgy that Chelsea and Jennifer created and led, but I lost it. Not like crying appreciatively behind a storyteller and wiping my eyes with a smile as I get ready to do the next thing. Full on, full out, ugly crying. Was it audible? I don't know, probably. I was sitting on the sand with my legs straight out in front of me while we sang and put our little regrets in the fire and I sobbed. I did not want to be sobbing, but I couldn't stop. I was embarrassed at the time and after the fact too. I mean, I think emotion is well and good, including in a church. I, I mean, I think even a lot of emotion is good, maybe especially in church. I have many times been in a position to tell someone that while I understand if they don't want to come to church because it makes them cry, it's totally okay if they do cry. I tell them that I think church is a great place to cry because it offers a kind of container. I tell them that most people who cry in church, even the ones who cry really hard in church, usually get it together by coffee hour or whatever, hanging out at the bar. And I've never seen anyone disrupt a worship service with their tears. But I feel differently about that much emotion in me at a service where I have any role or responsibility at all. I think it makes it too much about me. I mean, I'm, I'm already up front, I'm visible, I'm on the mic all the damn time. And now, now we have to experience and handle and hold and respond to my emotions too. Vince was kind about my ugly crying at the moonshine mass. He said something to the effect of, he thought it was fine. Chelsea, on the other hand, guffawed and was like, yeah, you really lost it. It was like, whoa. I really do think emotion, even a lot of emotion is good and even important in church. I mean, if you can't be emotional at church, where can you? On those lists that occasionally pop up like the best public places to cry in Chicago no one ever lists church, but they should. 
it's not for everyone though, and not in a theoretical way. There are people who don't come to Gilead anymore because there's too much emotion here. Just the, the tone, the emotional tone was just so much, you know, people who are like, it's, you know, it's not the beer, it's not the swearing, it's not the pop music or the poetry. Like, I, I like all that, that's all fine. It's just all, it's just all this. Like one minute they're cracking jokes and then the next thing there's a story about somebody's penis and the scars that they have. And even the story is really funny and serious. And then they have communion and they seem to take that really seriously. And it's just, it's, it's kind of all over the place. And it's kind of, it's kind of a lot. There are probably more people than I know like that. The ones who came showed up just once or twice and were like, no, and that's fine. I stand by the tagline, we're not for everyone. I trust people's sense of what is and isn't a church for them. But I, I don't trust or I just don't like the idea that church isn't a place for big emotion or maybe, I don't know, more to the point. I'm not sure I could do church with like less emotion. I'm, I'm not even sure how else we do it. In the middle of her student pastor year, Chelsea and I went to see a play together. A play by one of my favorite playwrights, Lisa Crone, based on a book by Alison Bechdel. It's, it's fun home, you're a bunch of theater kids. It's fun home, okay? Anyway, so my favorite playwright done by one of my favorite the Chicago theater companies, a story I love that means a lot to me. And at the end of the play, this big payoff, I and mean, you could hear from all over the theater, many, many, people crying, like sniffling all over the theater. And I, of course, was crying too, which Chelsea reflected on later was something like glee. Oh my God, she said, you were like sobbing, which is factually incorrect. It was also the second time that day that she had made fun of me for crying. Earlier that day, we'd been in the office together when I opened the mail and realized that I had potentially messed up not just Gilead's taxes for the year, but the Illinois Conference of the United Church of Christ taxes. When we found our seat in the theater, Chelsea laughed. Remember when you were sitting on the floor surrounded by mail and crying? Yes, I said. It was like three hours ago. I'm still upset which is to say it was the second time that day I had cried in public in or about my job. And I, I don't, and I, I didn't blame Chelsea for making fun of me. It really stuck with me for a long time. Like I, I saw myself through what I assumed were Chelsea's eyes and I was embarrassed and I was embarrassing like this dorky middle-aged lady pastor prone to sentimentality. Of all the prophets in the Bible, Jeremiah is the one who made it the most about himself. He was living and working during one of the most crucial and terrifying periods of biblical history. There was war and exile and life under the rule of two terrifying, uh, different, giant, powerful empires. Jeremiah lived and worked at the tail end of what was left of the kingdom of Israel. And one of his main tasks was to understand the theological problem posed by the destruction of a nation a nation that had understood itself to be anointed by God. 
a nation that had tried and was failing, having turned its back on justice for the most vulnerable. In the middle of all that, Jeremiah was a vocal opponent of his own nation's leaders. He spoke out against king after king. He believed that the natural consequence of the people's turning away from God's justice would be an invasion, that they would be overrun by Babylon from the north, which in the end is what happened. But before it happened, Jeremiah was called a traitor for saying so. And when it happened, he was reviled for saying it was only what could have been expected for turning away from the divine way. He was ridiculed. He was mocked. Leaders hated him. Even his friends thought he was a buffoon and were just watching for his next misstep. And we know this part of the story because Jeremiah, more than any other prophet, told us what he was feeling. Released from jail or maybe some kind of public stocks after a beating, he lost it. I have become a laughing stock all day long. Everyone mocks me. For whenever I speak, I must cry out. I must shout violence and destruction. The word of God has become for me a reproach and derision all day long. If I say I won't mention God or speak anymore in God's name, there is within me something like a burning fire shut up in my bones. I am weary with holding it in and I cannot. A commentator I read this week called Jeremiah sensitive Jeremiah. Sensitive Jeremiah complained that his work led to shame. Sensitive Jeremiah, so many feelings, Jeremiah. Either do the work or don't, but this is a little much. Are you kidding me? The thing that is shut up in Jeremiah's bones, burning him from the inside out, is the word of God, the full, messy word of God from and about God, and God's justice, and God's grief, and God's rage, and God's joy at loving the people, joy that had drained away. Speaking the word of God brings Jeremiah himself grief. It drains his joy, and he mourns for a people who have not been cared for. He's the one, by the way, who in one of these moods asked, is there no balm in Gilead? Aren't there physicians there? Then why has the health of my people not been restored? You guys, I could cry for days and nights. A life of faith is all the feelings, all the emotion. God can take it. Jeremiah knew that. Jeremiah had been that way his whole life, from the very beginning of the work. And from the beginning, God had said, oh, it's okay. You scared? Well, I'll be with you. You don't have the words for it? I'll give them to you. When Jeremiah lost it, God wasn't overwhelmed by it. I don't think we are either. Your too much isn't gonna overwhelm us, not collectively anyway, not as a whole church, not when we're all together. Chelsea's first day as a student pastor at Gilead was Monday, October 2nd. We'd had meetings before then, some email, <laughs> some email exchanges. In her first very formal email to Vince, she used the word thus. So we had some work to do, you know. But October 2nd was the first staff meeting she attended. And it must have been at her second staff meeting, October 9th, that she first suggested we sing Pat Benatar's We Belong at church. It was a perfect Gilead song, she insisted. 
On October 15th of that year, it was announced that the pickup choir would be singing it on next week and October 22nd, we sang for the first time, We Belong. Much later, because I'm a forgetful jerk, I told Chelsea about singing We Belong somewhere, like at the end of the Easter dance party and how it was so great and how it had kind of become a Gilead song. And she was like, yeah, I know it's a good song. It was my idea. At this point, we've sung it so much that we, we kind of have to give it a break. Like we, we burned it a little bit, but, but before we had wrung every drop of goodness out of it, we used it at the end of our first telethon in 2019. Vince had, had brought out this Gilead beer that he'd accidentally been hoarding in his basement. And, and with Will and Ree and Adam, we sat unbelievably close to each other to drink it. In an unbelievably small room with no ventilation, we were crowded together with maybe a dozen other Gileadites. And after we passed the growlers around, we, we shut off the overhead lights and lit candles and we had communion. The prayers quoted poet Joy Harjo and the theme from the Golden Girls and the words of institution, that's Jesus saying, this is my body, take and remember. And then I ask God to pour out their Holy Spirit on us and to remind us by the meal, by this community, that we belong to the light. And that's where I lost it. For a minute, I thought I could, I could muscle through and I, I tried to keep going, we belong, you guys, I said to the words, the sound of the words that we've all fallen under, what, whatever we deny or embrace for worse or for better, it's so silly. I, I was crying and sounding kind of like somebody falling apart in a wedding toast or something. We belong, we belong, we belong together. Sensitive Rebecca. I was embarrassed again. And Vince was kind again. And Chelsea was not there to laugh at me. For anyone here or beyond who's tempted to think there's too much emotion around here, that we make it too much about ourselves, I, you know, I still trust their sense that this isn't for them, but it is for so many of us, for us. Some of us have come from places that were way too little about us, where our stories didn't matter, where the details and particularities didn't matter. This is not a place like that. Oversharing is the brand. We need the details. That's one of the ways we meet God. That's one of the ways we can hear God saying to us, you're scared? I'll be with you. You don't have the words to say? I'll give them to you. Well, someone ridiculed you? Well, you're the one I need to speak this word. A word that when we have tried to hold it in, tired us out. A word that when is shut up inside us, it burns our very bones. A word that we can't keep from speaking anyway, as it turns out. It's the word of God for the people of God. 